It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, May 21st, 2015. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is in Virginia tonight preaching and in this place, I've got a couple gentlemen to help me. Uh, Monty Overton is sitting across the table from me. Hello, Monty. Hello, Jacob. Thank you for coming tonight. Well, and uh, Anthony Petrushko is behind the controls with a mic that is going to be active tonight. Anthony, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, if things get extra tough, uh, Monty, your son's here in the corner. We may have to put a microphone in front of him. Well, that'll work. All right. All right. We'll look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Last week... My son was, well, unfortunately, he wasn't sitting in a corner. He was running in the church building. Got a big gash on his head right when we got started. You had to help out, I think, Monty to tie things up uh, last night as I had to, or last week as I rushed him to the emergency room. So hopefully, well, he's not here tonight. So things will be hopefully a lot smoother. Uh, he, he won't get hurt anyway. <laughs> no, he won't. Uh, and if your son starts running, I don't know what we'll do. We'll trip him or something. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. And the chat room to the bottom of your video feed if you're watching us on the program live tonight. If you're watching us or listening to us in the archives or on the podcast, we welcome your comments at any time, questions at collegeview.com. We especially solicit your emails if you may disagree with what we have said, have questions about what we believe, or if you'd just like uh, to suggest a future edition, a topic for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we welcome those thoughts as well. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address you can use to contact us at any time with questions, suggestions, or maybe just some clarifications. Questions at collegeview.com. Tonight we want to talk about idolatry. You know, as I look at the Bible and history, we see that idolatry has been prevalent uh, really from almost the beginning of time. Uh, Throughout the Old Testament, uh, idolatry was mentioned over and over again. Uh, We remember when... uh, Jacob left Laban with his wives. Remember, Rachel stole Laban's stole household idols. Idols, that's right. And uh, there was some ruckus about that. Uh, the ma- one of the most amazing uh, stories that uh, of idolatry in the Old Testament is the, the Israelites when they come out of Canaan. Of course, they've been immersed in idolatry in Egypt. When they come out of Egypt, go across the Red Sea, go to Mount Sinai. Moses goes up to receive the law. He's there longer than they think he should be, and they make an idol. And you remember what Aaron said when they, well, apparently, you know, as he says, the golden calf just popped out of the fire, but you remember what he said. This is your God that brought you out of Egypt. How could they, how could, how could people believe such nonsense? You know, you could almost maybe understand, I believe it was in Corinth or Athens, where they had the goddess Diana. One Corinth, but yeah, anyway, yeah. Well, they Ephesus, had the goddess Diana, Ephesus, Ephesus, yeah. Ephesus yes. and so uh, supposedly this image had fallen out of the sky, maybe right, a piece right. of a meteorite or something. Right. And in their imagination, they imagined it looked like this goddess. But at least it was something they didn't make. It it did come from the sky. So 
in a feeble way, you could almost kind of understand that, okay, they put some significance to this thing. But for me, well, there's a story in the Old Testament, and I forget where it's at. I preached a sermon about it one time. But it talked about a guy, he cuts down a tree, he takes part of it and builds a fire to cook his food, and the other part he carves himself an idol out of it and worships the thing. Yeah. Why would I want to worship something that I made? Yeah. I mean, it's not greater than me. I made it. Why? Yeah. I don't have no interest in it that yeah, way. Yeah, and the, the prophets, uh, you talk about how foolish it is, and you know the, these people think they've really got a impressive God if they if they carve it in such a way that yeah. it'll stand up by itself. You yeah, know? Uh, it's just total nonsense. But so the children of Israel should have known better, you would think. But as they're going into the land of Canaan, God's wanting to punish all these nations, and He says, "Get rid of them because they'll cause you to serve their gods." Mm-hmm. Remember, the children of Israel didn't do that; they were not. Uh, thorough enough in getting rid of the evil people, and what happened? They served their God. They started bringing that in. It was like a like a cancer that came back and it started to blossom, and they served their gods to the point that they worshipped Molech. You remember Molech, mm-hmm. the one that they burned their sacrifice their children, children. to. Anthony, <laughs> you, you got to wonder what in the world were the people thinking? I know, you know, there's, there's gotta be, I think as we'll get into tonight, there's, there's some sort of appeal there with this, that human, some sort of aspect of human nature that this appeals to, and I think, and I think, you know, what we're gonna find tonight is that it, it's still around today. It's not, we're not above this same, same type of thing. Well, yeah, uh, that's the next question, because I've ne- I've ne- I've never run into an old schoolmate at the store and said, you know, hey, you got to come over to my house and see this new idol I got. We got this shiny little thing in the corner of the living room, and we're bo- I got the coolest idol in town. Yeah, we're burning incense tonight at seven. Come on over. Yeah, I it's never happened. Yep, not not here at least. <laughs> in well, part, in other parts right. of the world, I'm sure they are. Doing yeah, well, we were we were in Asia this past summer, and every little shop and has a little Buddha idol, okay. and they're burning incense and stuff. Yeah. Okay, so they are doing it <laughs> but, some places. Uh, yeah, but. but you know, in First uh, John chapter five verse twenty one, we're told, "Little children, keep yourselves from idols." God apparently, you know, we think times have changed today, and that we don't have that problem, but yet God took time and space in the scriptures to tell us to keep ourselves from idols. There apparently is a danger here that we need to be aware of. Well, you know, while times have changed, obviously there's a lot of things that we have today that years ago they didn't have. Human nature hasn't changed. Yeah. We still have the same tendencies to do the same things as they did that we read about back at the beginning of time that Cain and Abel and Adam and Eve did. So human nature hasn't changed. So it was important enough for God to put in the New Testament to keep ourselves away from idols because he knew that it was somehow or another in our nature to want to worship these things. All right. It was in our nature. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14, it's a little bit more of an urgent message. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Now, that sounds like there's some danger and some urgency involved. I, you know, you don't flee something unless there's serious danger. You know, if, if if there's just a hole in the floor over there, we just walk around it. We don't flee yeah. it. If there's a cobra over there, we vacate the premises. You know, right. he can have the whole room. He can have the whole house. <laughs> your hands it's are up above yeah. your head and you're running. We're, yeah. we're running from that yeah. rascal. Yeah. And so when God's in here, he puts flee from idolatry. He's, he's putting an urgency on there and telling us that this is not just as – 
a chug hole in the road that you drive around. But this is something that's going to reach out and bite you and kill you. You've got to stay away from it, run from it, and get away fast as you can. 877-381-4567 in the chat room tonight. Kevin Kelly says, I stayed with a Japanese family. They have an altar with idols in each home. So he reiterates what you experienced, Anthony, that there are parts of the world where this idolatry, this type of idolatry still exists. Right, right. It's it's uh, it's definitely there. All right. Uh, but I think in America we still have a problem, and we want to talk about that uh, on the program tonight. Earlier today I sent out questions uh, for your consideration uh, as we think about idolatry today. Uh, the first question, idolatry has plagued societies for centuries. Do you think that idolatry is still a problem today? Number two, in what ways can the following become idols? We're going to talk about materialism and covetousness as being an idol carnal desires and pleasures as being an idol, our family as being an idol, that's going to be one we want to talk about, uh, Monty, is our family. It can become our idol. And ourselves, can we can become an idol our, ourself. Uh, so we want to talk about that. And then the last question we want to do is, how can we avoid idolatry? What can we do to avoid it? Let us know your thoughts. We'll look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. Well, idolatry has plagued mankind for centuries, since the beginning of time. It obviously is still a danger today. The physical idols that uh, that Kevin and Anthony you've experienced, but uh, the scriptures warn us about other types of idolatry. We want to look at that on on tonight because I don't have a little Buddha in the corner of my living room, but I may have a problem with idolatry in my life that I'm not aware of. Yeah, uh, we we tend to think of idolatry just as the little statues or symbols or whatever. But there's a lot more to, to idolatry than just that. And we can have these problems in our life, and we, as we go through and discuss these, we can see that these things can be become idols to us, these different aspects, if we're not very careful. And Kevin makes an interesting comment. He says, I would also point out the many idols that are on the Catholic altar. Some are men we recognize from scriptures. <coughs> others are simply men and women or other statutes and emblems. What about that? Yeah, you're right. I, I think it's a good point. I think we see a lot of this. Um, oh, the, the word is escaping me. What icons? Yeah, I icons. icons yeah. So forth. And uh, yeah, you know, it, I don't see how you can really separate that from the same type do, of Old Testament do the, idolatry. Do Catholics not even honor the, and, rever- and revere these statues? Some of them and, they pray mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I actually went to a um, Catholic school in the second grade, and we went to chapel or mass every day. Right. And in the front of the room, there was a statue, I think maybe of of Jesus or maybe, uh, I don't know, on the left. And then on the right of the auditorium, there was a statue of Mary. And any time the actual Catholic church kids... Not me, but I guess you had to be confirmed or something. But anytime they would walk in front of those statues, they would, you know, cross themselves or yeah. do some sort of symbol of reverence to these statues. To the statue. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. Well, so obviously sir, those were idols. Something them. that is something to be aware of. Something uh, that is a danger. Uh, in the chat room, Arthur references Joshua twenty-four verse two. Uh, Joshua twenty-four verse two. Uh, tells us uh, that we should. Uh, and Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Appreciate Arthur for bringing that back, bringing that out. So it goes before Jacob and Laban, goes all the way back to Terah, uh, the father of Abraham. And 
So there was idolatry at that point as well. Right. All right. 877-381-4567. What would be a good definition of idolatry? What, how would you how would you define idolatry? Well, you might think of it as anything that you worship or that you place as the center or focal point of your life. I would say anything that puts comes you put in your heart in a place that belongs to God. Yeah. Something that takes God's place would become idolatry. And uh, we'll see that as we go along uh, on the program tonight. Well, we've got to talk about uh, the first one, and that's probably one that comes to most people's minds when we talk about idolatry, and that is the idea of covetousness and materialism. Covetousness and materialism is, in fact, defined as idolatry in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 tells us that covetousness is idolatry. And again, they're equated in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. And so that's how serious of a problem this is. Covetousness is idolatry, and if you're guilty of that, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. And so we need to talk about that. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break. How can covetousness become our idol? How can it uh, take the place that God deserves in our hearts? We want to hear your thoughts on that. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Anthony Petrochko, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you that our website, www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com, has lots of valuable study tools available for your use. First, you can find archives of all our past programs there. We've covered a wide variety of topics, including doctrinal issues, moral and ethical questions, and many things related to living daily as a Christian. And while we don't have a search engine option on our website, Website, remember that you can hit Control F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit Control F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about contemporary worship and hand clapping? Our worship, pleasing to God or pleasing to man? And instrumental music in worship? That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the web page can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible Study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. Back on the program, we're talking about idolatry, and we've noted that it has been a problem in the past, and, uh, well, it appears that it continues to be a problem today, and it takes different forms, maybe, in 2015 in the United States of America. Maybe it's taken on some of those traditional forms that uh, we see in Old Testament and New Testament times in other parts of the world, but in the United States, not so prevalent, but 
in the traditional form, but in the forms that the scriptures equate with idolatry, it is very prevalent and may even be present in our lives today. And so the purpose of our discussion tonight is to examine ourselves, examine our hearts, and make sure that we have removed any form of idolatry from our lives. We looked at Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, where Ephesians chapter 5 equates a covetous man with an idolater. So covetousness is idolatry. And we asked the question before we went to the break, is how can it become idolatry? How can covetousness and material things become our idol? Kevin says covetousness would be the wanting or collecting of something, things that we desire or want above other things, or certainly above spiritual things of God. And so Kevin could say, we can put our focus on things, Monty, wanting them so bad that they take a place in our heart that belongs to God. You know, because as we study the scriptures, we understand and learn that God should be the focal point of our life and serving him should be our goal and that should be our main theme in life that we're following him. But we see people today, and if we're not careful, we'll do it ourselves, that put something else ahead of that. Their main focus in life is their, their sports team or this new car or truck or whatever that I want or this bigger house. Uh, the Bible talks about in the Old Testament about not coveting your neighbor's wife or your, right. or your uh, other basically things that belong to someone else. Well, people in the world do that constantly today. They they see their neighbor has a comes in with a new car, new truck, new some new possession, and it's I gotta have one too. And I I'd really like to have his, but if I can't get his, I'm gonna have to get me one like it or better than his. And that becomes the whole focus of their life. They can't think about anything else. All their waking moments, their work, their every effort is is focused in that direction rather than having God be that focus and these other stuff just come along if they do. And, Anthony, these things can, as Monty said, consume us, where that is the whole focus of our lives is this stuff and, and acquiring more of it. Right. I mean, I think, you know, there's people, majority of people in the world, you know, they their goal in life is to be successful, quote-unquote successful. Right. And that typically means, you know, I've got, I'm always getting a better job, I'm always trying to get ahead and get more power, more money, um, and that sort of thing. So, you know, the average person of the world certainly doesn't have spiritual things as, you know, their primary focus in life. And the problem is we live in a materialistic society. Now, I don't know. It may have been that every society has been materialistic in the past. It seems that our society is especially materialistic, but it may not be any more materialistic than any other society. Well, I think that's one of those human nature things we were yeah. talking about that yeah. hasn't changed I think it's human nature to want to to have a little bit more stuff, to have a better position in yeah. life. I mean, if if our job's a ditch digger, ditch digger, that's yep. not something we want to maintain forever. We'd we'd like to have a better job. Well, and so and this we'd like to have better stuff. And I think that's just a human nature thing. And I think that's why God has spent so much time warning us against it because what, that's something we've got to be in control of and learn to be satisfied. With what we've got and be content, as Paul put it. Well, it was a problem in Solomon's day. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Solomon knew that there were covetous people in his day. Mm-hmm. So perhaps it's all we've always lived in a materialistic society, but our society has so many ways to try and push materialism and covetousness on us. Well, there's a difference between wanting to better yourself 
and that being the whole focus of your life, that being consumed by it, as we talked about a yeah. minute ago. It's it's a natural thing, and I believe God wants us to be good stewards of, of everything he's given to us. And so uh, we read about parables in the New Testament where it talks about the one-talent man just went out and buried in earth, and he didn't provide an increase in what his master had given him. So I think we're taught that we're supposed to be good stewards of what we got and provide an increase where we can, but we've also got to do it within reasonable boundaries, and that it can't be our whole purpose for being is just to have more stuff. Right, right. Uh <clears throat> You know, we get bombarded with commercials first thing in the morning, Anthony. You've got to have oh. this. You yeah. Know, uh, this is the latest and greatest product, and your life is not complete until you have it. You get the neighbors across the street that got the new car and think, well, maybe we need a new car. You take a ride to a more prevalent neighborhood, more affluent neighborhood. Yeah. Monty, when we drive through Anthony's neighborhood, you sort of think, boy, <laughs> man, I'd like to, I'd like to be on this side of the tracks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, these things can start to cause us to maybe be covetous. Yeah, and, and that's a problem. We're not satisfied with what we've got. Yeah. And Paul talked about being content in yeah. whatever state he was in. And some of the times that he was talking about being content was when he was being beaten and imprisoned. Right. But if that's where we are right now, we need to make the most of it, make the best of it we can, and find a way to serve God in doing it rather than being so consumed with finding a way to have a bigger, better, newer, whatever. All right. Here's a guy in the New Testament who was guilty of this idolatry, I think we'd have to say, the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. Mm -hmm. God said unto him, verse 20, after he'd gotten done bringing in the big harvest, tearing down the little barns, building the bigger barns, notice what God said to him, Thou fool, this night shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. All of this abundance had taken God out of his life. He was had this treasure in his heart, Anthony. He was not rich toward God. Right, and, you know, we have other verses that say, you know, wherever man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. Right. And, um, you know, we're, we're supposed to have a... An appetite for something in this life, but our appetite's not supposed to be for carnal or physical things. I was looking up uh, Matthew 5, verse 6 in the Beatitudes. Uh, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So that's what our desire is supposed to be for righteousness and pleasing God. And we'll find satisfaction in doing that. But as Monty pointed out already, if we focus on earthly uh, worldly things we won't ever be satisfied yeah and and so but yet that's the trap that so many people are falling into and uh, i may i need to back up on something i said i don't know that he had actually had gotten his barns built yet he had had that abundance and uh and he had allowed it to maybe to immediately but he expressed his intention his intention this is what it, it, maybe do. it had immediately taken that place in his heart and so maybe this idea of covetousness and materialism happens so quick that we've got to be aware and on guard you know, and what we need to realize about these things, these material things that we seem to be so obsessed with building up, it's just like this rich fool that God talked about. At the end of that verse, verse 21 says, uh, uh, says then who's, I forget exactly how it's, who's, who's, then who shall these things be? Right. It doesn't matter how much stuff I have. Yep. Sooner or later I'm going to die. I yep. can't take it with me, and it's going to be somebody else's. Yep. You know, if, if I've got just vastly, vastly more stuff than I need, 
what's the point? Because I'm not going to be able to use it myself, and it's just going to be something that other people are going to fight over later when I'm gone. Well, so there's no point to it. Well, First Timothy chapter 6, beginning of verse 6, talks to that point. He said, uh, says here, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and certainly we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, with these we shall be content. You didn't bring anything in, and you're taking just as much out when you go. And uh, so, as a result, verse 8, be content with food and clothing. And that's not a very high bar. No. Uh, and that would be a stretch for any of us, to be content with food and clothing alone. But that's what we're called uh, to achieve. That's right. And you know, that's a big challenge because, well, we've all got more than that. Yeah. So, obviously, we, we wasn't just satisfied to just have something to eat and some clothes to wear today. We've all got more than that. But... And I don't think that's, that's necessarily a bad thing. No, it's not Because wrong. the Bible, as we started talking about last night in our Wednesday night class, we was talking about Abraham. Abraham, it talked about, had great possessions and much silver and gold, but he was also a faithful man. And we, as we see, as he traveled around, he put his service to God first yep. in his life. So having a lot of stuff isn't a bad thing. It's not. Uh, one of the Proverbs, I believe it is, he talks about it's a good thing to leave an inheritance to your children and okay. grandchildren. So it's an okay thing to do. It's just not okay for that to be the center focus point of your life. All right. After verse 8, where we're told having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. It is not wrong to have riches because in verse 17 of 1 Timothy chapter 6, command those who are rich in this present age to what? Get rid of all their stuff because they just they shouldn't have it? No. It says, command them who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. The people who are rich, says here, don't let that become your idol, but instead you serve God with it. Yeah, and I think it points out, you know, it says share and and give and help others with that, with those riches that you have. So, you know, if all of us sold everything that we had and, li- you know, took a vow of poverty, or something, uh, then who's going to help those who, you know, who are truly needy? That's right. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So, but we've got to, as you mentioned, Anthony, serve God with that. Right. Give that. Right. And that, and by being generous and giving, that will help us to make sure that this doesn't take a place in our heart that it shouldn't have, that it would keep our focus on God. Well, the thieves were told to not steal anymore, but to get a job and labor with their hands so that they would have to give to those who had need. Not so they could make a big, make a big pile uh, So they would be able to do those good so works So they could with do them. good works. And so right. it's a good thing to have the wherewithal to do these good works because, if we're like Anthony said, if we're just dirt poor and barely subsisting, I can't help anybody else if they need it. Right. But if I've been reasonably successful and focusing my ideas where they ought to be, when I see somebody in need, okay, I've got money. I can right. help them. I can. Their house is burned. I can buy them some new clothes and things. So right. That, that's how we're supposed to be doing it. All right. Kevin in the chat room says, there's just so much room in our heart, our attention cannot exceed 100%, so any portion pushes out other thoughts or interest. And Kevin's make makes a good point. In the society that we have today, the abundance that we have, Anthony, there is always something. There's always some material thing that can take our attention. There's always something broke at my house, Monty. There's always something that needs to be worked on, cleaned up, fixed, and it can take my focus off of what I'm really here for. You know, if we're not careful, you know, we need to be studying our Bibles daily and reading our Bibles daily so that we can know what God has told us to do. Well, if we're not careful, uh, this thing, that's, as you said, this is broke. Well, i got to fix it. You know, the 
the freezer's gone out and the food's going to spoil. I've got to get that fixed. Yeah. Well, I fool around with that so much till it, I'm totally exhausted, falling asleep, and I didn't get my Bible studying done today. So I can let even important things get in the way of doing things that are more important. So it's a very important to have our priorities in order, and we just have to come to a point to say, okay, I know this has got to be done, but Excuse me, but my priorities toward when, God are more important. When is enough enough? We need to ask that yeah. question, and we need to realize that we godliness with contentment is great gain. Here's how big a problem this is: this idea of that covetousness is idolatry. First Corinthians chapter five, verse eleven. But now I've written to you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one, no, not to eat. Covetousness is thrown right in the middle there of sins that we would call very black and terrible sins. Mm-hmm. Fornication, railers, drunkards, extortioners, covetous. Well, I think it's really important, and we understand from this verse that he's saying, don't keep company with these people, don't even eat with them. Yeah. These things that he's talking about here in idolatry and his covetousness are included in that, they're like uh, contagious diseases. Yeah. If we're not care- you know. If we knew somebody had some kind of terrible contagious disease that that was going to kill us or disfigure us or maim us, used to it, polio was an example of that. People yeah. would be quarantined when they had that because yeah. you don't want to get that. It's going yeah. to kill you. Yeah. Well, basically what this scripture is telling us, when, if there's somebody that's supposed to be a brother, a fellow Christian that's pre- engaged in these things and they won't repent of it, you don't even need to have a meal with them because this is contagious. And if you're not careful, the next thing you know, you're going to be right off in the middle of it with them. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, it is contagious, and uh, when someone else has got a covetous outlook on life, they can convince us, if we're not careful, just by our association, that we need to be covetous as well, and uh, and so we've got to be on guard against it. Covetousness is idolatry. It is a modern-day idol mm-hmm. that many who may say, hey, no idols here, we may have that in our life. We may be idolatrous and not know about it. It may be my golf clubs or my golf cart or my boat or my new rifle, pistol, or shotgun, or you know, whatever. Each of us got different things that we're interested in, but if we're not careful, those become our idols. All right, we got to take a break. We'll get this week's bullet point, and when we come back, we want to talk about another idol, the idol of carnal desires and pleasures. That's become the god of many in our society today, and it may be ours as well. We'll talk about that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Have you heard about Rusty Redfern? He's an award-winning artist in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Marketed through his own company called Redfern Originals, he illustrates and sells note cards, t-shirts, sweatshirts, and even limited edition prints and original drawings. Now, that may not seem so terribly impressive to you. After all, there are a lot of artists in this world who produce and sell artwork. But there's one other bit of information about Rusty. He was born without arms. This remarkable man uses his feet to do what most folks do with their hands. He eats with spoon and fork, answers the phone, drives his car even without special adaptations, plays football, golfs, and even plays basketball. There's a lesson to be learned from such a fella. It's simply this. You can do what you want to do. Too often we give up before ever making a serious effort. We do it at work, in school, with our families, and we do it in the service of God. Too often we've heard Christians say, I just can't do it. Yes, you can. You simply have to keep trying. Is your life hard? Are you battling against some particular spiritual weakness? Do you struggle constantly to maintain faithfulness? 
Please take consolation in the fact that God loves you. He wants you to succeed, and he's made it possible through his son, Jesus Christ. So keep trying. Never give up. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. Back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find past episodes of this program. We're coming up on 10 years, so over 500 episodes of the virtual Bible study. Surely, if you're looking for something, you ought to be able to find something close there. Uh, look on our website for that. Uh, find out uh, how you can podcast sermons that have been recently presented to the College of Church of Christ and uh, find out ways you can contact us. If you've never been to our website, it's thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You know, some people listening to the podcast, I was trying to set your phone up in the break, mm-hmm. honey, so you can get the podcast on your phone. Folks who may listen to the podcast maybe never been to our website. Yeah. So it's thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And uh, you may have never sent us an email. And maybe you don't have a question, but maybe you just listen to the program. Send us an email. Let us know where who you are. Don't have to give us your real name. Just say, I'm listening. Maybe tell us where you're listening so that we know you're out there. Questions at collegeu.com. And if you do have a question, if you have a suggestion for a future edition of the program, or maybe you see something in the news that would make a good topic, we would like that. Maybe that's just a suggestion. Just send us a link. Chris in, in Georgia did that today. I was telling you guys about this. About a guy who set up a bull riding ring in the church auditorium. And I think it was on a, on a Wednesday night service. He rode the bull and then got thrown off, got trampled, got up, and preached a sermon. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And a ruckus crowd and audience, just, a, just amazing. But, uh, and... Just shows to show you when you start to do what you want to do, there's no stopping. You can go all the way to riding bulls in the worship service. So uh, if you got a suggestion or maybe a news item that you think would make a good addition to the virtual Bible study, questions at college. You know, you just mentioned in looking for subjects in there that and things we've discussed in the past. If you look in our website and you can't find what you're interested in or need to know about, let us know and we can have that for a discussion on the virtual Bible study. Or you can call us. And we'll be glad to set up a time to have a study with you about it. So, you know, there's lots of ways that you can find out more about God's Word, and we're more than happy to help you do it. All right. And if you think we're in error, we would especially welcome those. We want to hear your thoughts. We don't want to be wrong. We do not want to be wrong. And so we'll uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you. Questions at collegeu.com. Kevin in Hot Springs, Arkansas, listens to the podcast sometimes if he misses the show. Thank you, uh, Kevin. I had to do that last week because the, the boy – Busted his head open, and uh, I wanted to hear what the guy was saying, and I hated it. I had to listen to the podcast, and I can speak from experience now. The podcast is not as good as the live program. You can't, you can't talk. I mean, you can't. You know, you, you want to make a comment, you're sort of stuck. Yeah. But we welcome your comments, even if you have something to share. Brad in in, in Alabama sent us a message on Saturday. He was listening to the podcast. He had a comment he wanted to make. He couldn't make it. To the audience, but he did make it to us, and it was a good comment, so we're glad to hear from him on that. All right, uh, we're talking about idolatry on the program tonight. Covetousness is idolatry, got to be aware of that. Rick in the chat room says Ecclesiastes addresses this teaching that 
uh, regarding material things, a man is to eat and drink and enjoy the fruit of his labor. So nothing wrong with having stuff and enjoying it. But, Rick goes on, the conclusion he ultimately reaches is our life is that life is ultimately about fearing God and keeping his commandments. This is our first and foremost responsibility. So have stuff, enjoy it, nothing wrong, but make sure it doesn't occupy that spot in your heart that belongs to God. Because ultimately, if you're not keeping God's commandments, you've lost everything anyway. So really, truly, that's all that matters in our life is that we fear God and keep his commandments. And then these other things that come along as blessings to us materially, physically, we can enjoy them, but keeping God's commandments and fearing him has to be first. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 7 has to be on our minds at all times. We brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. And so keep these things in perspective. Don't let them get out of whack in your life. And Arthur sends in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, where Jesus says, in no uncertain terms, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. It's not about that. Anthony, you don't evaluate your life by the size of your bank account or your retirement accounts. It's not what it's about. That's right. And, um, you know, it's so hard. We were talking before the break, you know, our, we mentioned this already, but our society, our culture, and really probably in all of the industrialized world, we're just constantly being bombarded with advertisements and images and messages that we need more stuff and we need more pleasure, more satisfaction through, uh, you know, acquiring more things. And so our society, it makes it even harder. You know, we back in the Bible times, at least they weren't, you know, getting bombarded <laughs> with advertisements all the time for this new thing or this shiny uh, new thing. Uh, um, so I think in uh, some ways it's harder for us today. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I know. think those chariot manufacturers probably had a pretty relentless advertising Maybe campaign. So. <laughs> Maybe I don't know so. how they got the word out there, but that you know that shiny new chariot would have been awful enticing. Well, when you went to the market to get your groceries. There they had one set up on a podium right there in the square. You had to see the thing. That's right. I got to get that 3015 AD or BC uh, model chariot there. You know, that's a lot better than that 3016 model that they had. Um, uh, Let's go on. Desires and carnal desires and pleasures are another idol that's prevalent in our society. can be a problem with us today as well. It's been uh, a problem throughout time that idolatry has been linked with carnal desires and pleasures. First, Tim, First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7, talking about that uh, incident in the Old Testament at Mount Sinai with the golden calf. We're told, Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. The terminology there, rising up to play, indicates probably some immorality that was associated with that idolatry. And allowing these carnal desires and pleasures to become our idol is warned against. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, we see this described in further detail. First, uh, Philippians 3, verse 17, Brethren, be ye followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, who end, whose end is destruction, notice this, whose God is their belly and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. These people who are engaged in all this immorality, notice what it says, their God is their belly, not their literal belly. But their, that belly there is metaphorical of their physical desires. Their God was their physical desire, 
their physical carnal pleasures, they were allowing that to rule their life rather than the Almighty Creator. You know, and it even goes on. He says their glory is in their shame. The things that they were doing that should have been ashamed of, they was glorying in it. That was that was the focus of their life, and that's all that mattered to them. And you know, I've I've been around people in in the workplaces that way. I remember one fellow in particular was bragging he'd come in the day before it had been his 50th birthday, and he bragged that he'd had his 50th woman that night on his 50th birthday. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's something that if it had been the truth, and it may very well have been, but it's something he shouldn't have come in bragging about. He should have wanted that to have been a secret because that was, should have been a shameful thing to him, but he was glorying in it. And so we can see that people in our society and our culture, that's their focus, and they're glorying in things that are immoral and that just shouldn't be that way. Anthony, I mean, we see it in the world around us. People who are running headlong after their pleasures and they're doing whatever it takes to fulfill those pleasures, irregardless of what God has said. They total disregard for, for God's word and they've taken him out of that spot. They've put their pleasures in the spot that God deserves and uh, that's their new idol. Right. I mean, that verse that you read about the God being their belly, to me, that kind of the word that comes to mind is hedonism, which just sort of means just chasing pleasure, chasing any fleeting pleasure that you can get, whether it's of a sexual nature, um, you know, thrill seeking, maybe even just, you know, food and drink, just the most expensive, fancy, exotic Stuff you can get your hands on, just this idea of serving pleasure and chasing pleasure. What I want. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's, you know, serving your belly, those, like yeah. you said, that, those carnal, fleshly desires. We've got plenty of that to go around, something we have to be on guard against. Romans chapter 16, verse 17, beginning, Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them, for they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. But their own belly, and by good works and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. They're not serving Christ. They're serving their own belly. In other words, their desires have become their idol. Not serving God, not serving Christ, but serving their desires. You know, they, they're wanting to meet the what I want. So they, they don't care about what God says. It's All that matters to them is I've got this particular appetite in this particular direction. Uh, and I want it satisfied. And now we see that manifested in people we talk to about the gospel who know what they need to do. They they know what the scriptures teach. They acknowledge that the scriptures are correct, that that is, in fact, what they need to do. They don't argue with that. Mm-hmm. But they say, I'm not ready to do it yet. Yeah. I, 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 st- I want to do what I want to do. Maybe later I'll, I'll, I'll change and repent. But right now, there's too much drinking and carousing out there for me. I'll settle down someday, but not right now. You know, I knew somebody one time, and they was convinced that they had understood the book of Revelation, and that was talking about the signs of the times, the end of the world, as they was putting it. And uh, his this person's words, and I don't, it's been so long, I don't remember exactly, but I'll paraphrase them, was that, well, I'm not worried about it right now. I'm going to go ahead and do what I want to, and then when I see this coming to pass, then I'll repent and yep. change. Yeah, that, that, their, their God is their belly. Yeah. They're, they're going to serve the, their, their desires rather than God. And so that's prevalent in folks around us. Is it in my life? Are there things in my life that I know are wrong, but I'm going to do them anyways? So I, I know I need to repent, but I'm going to keep this this sin around. I enjoy it. Maybe it's too hard for me to with, with you know resist. I'm just going to keep that. Someday I'll get rid of it, but for now I'm going to keep it. Am I not guilty of the same idolatry, Anthony? 
Right. Yeah, I think absolutely. And you know, the opposite of this, you know, is are things self-control and and temperance and moderation. Some of these words that we see in the New Testament, you know, Paul talked about, uh, you know, not being brought under the power of of any. You know, all things are lawful, etc. But he's not willing to be brought under the power of anything. So, but yet when we serve our our desires, our uh, fleshly desires, we're we're um, relinquishing our power over ourselves. We're sort of letting our guard down. Yep. And it's sort of the opposite of what uh, what we're called to do. All right. So I uh, yeah, you know, I knew somebody one time, and we was talking to them about the sin of smoking. That you know, how this tobacco use was wrong. And this person said, "I know it's a sin, but I enjoy it too much to quit." There you go. And so what they were saying is, I'm putting my desires and what I like doing ahead of what I know God expects me to do. Yeah. There you go. And, and when they said that, I just kind of was – I mean, it's one thing for somebody to be doing something that's wrong and they don't know it. Yeah. But to sit there and say, I know it's a sin, but I enjoy it too much to quit, I, I was just flabbergasted. And what do you say to somebody well, after that? Well, but it may not strike us as idolatry when at the, at the time, but if you look at it and you analyze it, it is pure and simple idolatry. That's what it is. And it's that way in our lives as well. If, mm-hmm. if I've got sin in my life that I'm not willing to get rid of, then I've allowed that to become my idol. I'm serving it rather than serving God, and uh, we've got to be aware of that. So we've talked about covetousness. We've talked about carnal desires and pleasures. We've got a couple more things we want to talk about, but it's time for a break. We'll go to the top of the hour, and up next, family can become our idol. Now that one we got to talk about. Can your family become your idol? Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Hello, my name is Kent Bumgardner. My family and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Please join us. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight uh, talking about idolatry. In the chat room, Kevin has said, uh, based on what has been said tonight, we need to realize that a great majority are influenced by idolatry. It's not a topic that can be ignored, yet we might act as though this is just an Old Testament topic. It is happening now, and don't think physical idols are not around. They're in your town very close to you, again, right now. Thank you, Kevin, for that. Travis says, uh, we shouldn't be surprised the world seeks pleasure. That's all they have. But he goes on and says, in the church, people covet larger congregations, bigger buildings, etc. And there's a lot of there's covetousness going yeah. on in the religious world as well. Uh, thank you for that, Travis. Appreciate you listening tonight. And uh, I've, I've been missing some emails here from Chris in the U.K., uh, he chimes in from the United Kingdom tonight and says that there are, is that idolatry still is a problem today. He says four things can lead us astray: fame and fortune, power and pleasure. They scream in today's society from advertisements, movies, and even our education system. He references First John two verses fifteen and sixteen: "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him." For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, then the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so he tells us here uh, that certainly idolatry is a problem today. Um, and um, so uh, he says, uh, 
just a question, if I may. Is there a chance that, a, that that church or the things of God can take the place that God should have and so become an idol? Could church become an idol or the things of God take the place of God and become an idol? Well, I think using the example we talked about earlier of the Catholic Church and the icons and things that they have there, and they, as Anthony said, they give a religious significance to them as they pass by them or whatnot. So in a lot of ways, those things... They're, they're big church building. I think a lot of people use the word church, and they think mostly right. of the building. There's this big church building, this grand yeah. edifice we've built to worship God in, can become our idol, and these symbols and icons that we have in there can become our idols. So, yeah, it could be. I think so. Uh, I think we see it in the religious world today in people desiring the big crowd. Mm-hmm. They want the big, the big, impressive church. And so what do they do? Do they stand firm on what God has said? And put God first, or do they soften the message and divert the message away from what God has said towards something that's more attractive and appealing in order to draw the crowds? I think at that point, the church, so to speak, has become the idol. Right, and you know, the motivation there, if we if, if really stop and look at it, is probably not really that they have this burning desire to save souls. It's more about, you know, There's look at me, look at our... Church and look at what we're doing. Right. One of those pride things. Right. Pride, exactly. And it ties in closely with Travis's comment as well that churches or people are coveting larger congregations, bigger buildings, etc. All right, we've got to get on to the discussion about family. Money, family can become our idol. Now, I know in some societies, we had James Buchanan here from uh, from South Africa a couple weeks ago. They do a little ancestor worship down there in South mm-hmm. Africa. That's not happening in America today. But is it possible? that we're worshiping our family today. Well, in a lot of ways it is. Uh, like you said, we don't typically worship our ancestors or think so much about them, but quite often we'll put our family ahead of serving God. There you go. Uh, I remember years ago, a uh, grandmother of mine, she's dead now, but one of my cousins always came to eat lunch with her on Sundays. And she got to the point that she wouldn't go to worship on Sundays because she had to have this cousin a good meal fixed when he got there. I said, well, you know, if you, you should go ahead and go to worship. And I said, I'm sure he'll be glad to wait afterwards for you to get the meal done because my yeah. grandmother was a good cook and it was, it was nice to go eat with her. Oh, no, I have to have it ready for when he gets here. So, in effect, he had become, that family member had become her idol because she was putting a service to him Head of service to God. Here's what Jesus says about it in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, beginning. He says that our family can become our idol. Notice, think not that I'm come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus says there are times when he's going to have to come between us and our family. And if we say, nope, that's not going to happen, I love my family more than you, wait a minute, that's idolatry, isn't it? Family has become our idol at that point. Yeah. And how would we do it? Anthony, how would we uh, allow our family to become our idol? Maybe. Yeah, I, you know, I think, um, you know, for example, if a family member, you know, un- sadly gets involved in some kind of sin, right. and we, you know, we allow that to either change our belief right. or change our mind and say, well, maybe... Now, I used to be against, say, homosexuality, but my child decided that they want to pursue that lifestyle. Well, maybe it's not wrong after all. Right. So, you know, you're you're valuing your relationship, your earthly 
temporary relationship with that family member more than you value you know God's word. And maybe it's not we change our position on it. Maybe we just sort of keep quiet about it, Monty. Maybe yeah. we just don't condemn it. I, I just I'll, I'll just keep my mouth shut when I know I should be speaking out against what he or she's doing. Well, I know it's wrong, but I really don't want to hurt their feelings. And and if I condemn them, they won't come see me no more. Right. And so I, I really value my time with this family member. So I'm just going to be quiet about it and pretend everything's okay. Tough. It's a tough call. So I put that pleasure of the, like we were talking about, satisfying appetites. I put that appetite of spending time with this family member ahead of preaching the gospel and teaching them so that they don't have to die and go to hell. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, it's a tough call. It's a tough thing. Well, and it's not easy. It is not, a tough it, thing. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. But Jesus here has just got through saying to us, as we read in Matthew chapter 10 there, if you're not willing to do that, then you're not worthy of him. Okay. He goes on in Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, he's not saying literally to hate him, but in comparison to our attitude towards Christ and God, it's as if we hate them because we're going to do what God says regardless of what our family may say about it. That's right, and that's just the way it has to be. Jesus is very clear on this. You know, you might use the phrase that he didn't stutter when he said that. He he had it written down. It's very clear. The language is even simple enough that I could understand it. All right. Kevin in the chat room says, uh, many will not obey because they don't want to condemn those ancestors, maybe even family members who are living. He says, isn't that ancestor worship too? I would say it is, Kevin. Uh, we're putting them before God. We've put them in that place that God uh, belongs in. And, yeah, I think it's I think it's worship in our family. It's idolatry. Jesus has clearly said here, if you participate in that, you don't have any part with him. All right. Chris in the chat room, or I'm sorry, Chris in the UK in his email says, allowing those who are close to you to become more important than the things of God is allowing our family to become our idol. Rick says, far too often a brother or sister tries to uphold a family member when they are living in sin. Again, that is putting something before serving God and is thus idolatry. Thank you, Rick, for that. Agree with you on that. You know, if we uphold them or we're making excuses for them or such what, uh, we've in effect become false teachers. Yeah. yeah well, I, I know how they got there, and I, I, they shouldn't have done that, but I can see it. And and we start making excuses for them. So what we've done, we've set aside the word of God and put in what we wanted. So we've become a false teacher. Yep. All right. Absolutely. Well, finally, we want to talk about ourselves. How can we ourselves become our idol? And I think it's apparent in the society we live in today. Anthony, I'll use a big word. I don't know. See if you can hang on to this one here. We live in a narcissistic society. Oh, no. You sure yeah. you ought to be talking about <laughs> A narcissistic society where it's all about me. Right. We really do. Um, you know, it's it's gotten worse. I think there have even been studies done, uh, you know, surveys or other otherwise that basically people have come out and say, you know, this is the most narcissistic generation that we've ever seen or something like that. And uh, certainly our... Um, you know, with the advent of the Internet and smartphones and everything, and everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame, and, uh, it, you know, it's it's about selfies. And, I mean, just the, <laughs> fact, just the fact that we have a word called uh, a selfie, you know, but is Other people perfect. want to see me. Right. Uh, so I'm going to take a picture of me so you can see me right. eating my hamburger or whatever I'm doing. I know, and it's it's becoming so accepted. I mean, it's uh, among that generation, like my kids, 
Like, I would be embarrassed to take a selfie. It's like, why am I taking a picture of myself? It just right. feels wrong. But it's normal. But it's normal to kids. Yeah. It hurts when I have to look at me in the mirror. Why well, don't want everybody else to have to do it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. Uh, the social media and has caused us to think that this whole world revolves around me, that I'm the most important person in it. And pop psychology has reinforced that idea that I've got to worry about myself and look out for number one and got to have a positive self-image, positive self-image and self-esteem and and exalt yourself and you're the most important person in the room. It's a dangerous, dangerous road that we're headed down, and I think we've got to see from the scriptures that that's in effect becoming idle. Uh, an idol for us and become an idolatry. You know, a uh, lot of people that are supposed to be religious and religious teachers promote this a lot because they you constantly hearing this. God loves you and He wants you to be happy and He wants you to have good stuff and He wants you to feel better. Yeah. And, and it's the whole focus is is on you yeah. rather than the focus being on God where it should be. Yeah, God does love you and and He does want you to be happy, but He wants you to be happy on His terms, not on yours. And uh, but and but religion today is about me. Mm-hmm. Inter, uh, the worship is about me. It's not about what God wants. It's about what I want. I want yeah. that rock and roll music. I want that exciting worship. It's we about want to watch the preacher ride the bull. We want to, that's right. We want to see him get thrown off because it's all about me. And I'm now the most important thing. Don't worry about what God wants. It's about me. Listen to Joel Osteen. I was telling you guys on the way in tonight on the radio that Joel Osteen was on. talking, And it was all about you. It's about how much money you're going to have. And how quickly you can pay off your house. All these blessings that you can get. Not about what God wants, but what you can do. And what you can get. And it, self has become the God. First, in Romans chapter 1, verses 21, beginning. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was dark, and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like uncorruptible men and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. These people have turned it on its head. Rather than worshipping God, they're worshipping themselves. And uh, that's idolatry. And, you know, and even this, in this passage here, is talking about worship the creature more than God. Yep. So it's not that they, in their minds, had completely left God out. It's just they put themselves in a more important position than what they reverence God. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very dangerous. Uh, guest 6347 says uh, in the chat room, uh, that's uh, that uh, me, my, and I, that self-centered egotism. And 6347 goes on and references Philippians chapter 2. Think of others. Before self. Appreciate that uh, comment tonight. And Kevin says, isn't almost every sin we commit selfishness? Myself before God. So idolatry of myself might be the most common sin. Thank you, Kevin, uh, for that. Appreciate uh, those thoughts. Quickly, we asked the question, how do we avoid idolatry today? We've got to understand that idolatry is dangerous. Exposure to other idolaters is dangerous. Exodus chapter 23, verse 31, uh, they were told that they needed to drive the inhabitants out of the land as they were going into the land of Canaan. The Israelites were warned. They didn't do that, and they were plagued by that remnant of idolatry from uh, throughout their time in captivity. And um, a good verse to conclude with, Second Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, quickly before we do that, um, Chris in the U.K. says, uh, How do we avoid idolatry today? First, keep first things first. 
Check your motives. Is this for God or you? Is he being lifted up, or is it you or someone else? We should never be guilty of Romans 1, verse 26, where we worship and serve the creature more than the creator. And he references 1 John chapter one or 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. He says that goes for adults, too. Thank you, Chris, for your comments tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I think, is one we have to conclude with tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, beginning. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and be a, I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. How do you avoid idolatry? Well, you recognize what it is. When you recognize that, then you stay as far away from it as possible. We've got to keep a degree of separation from ourselves and the idolatrous world around us. Maybe they're not worshiping that shiny idol in the corner of the living room, but they're engaged in idolatry in so many aspects of their lives. Anthony, we've got to come out from that. Remain unspotted. Don't touch that unclean thing. Keep ourselves pure in this wicked world we live in. Yep, uh, that's the key, I think. All right. Well, idolatry... Not an Old Testament subject, as Kevin alluded to. Not just something in the Old Testament. It is something that we have to be aware of today. Materialism and covetousness, desires and carnal pleasures, our family and ourself are just a few, I think, of the idols that uh, can be prevalent and may be prevalent, maybe exist in our lives to some extent tonight. And it deserves some serious serious self-examination. All right, ask yourself, are you guilty of idolatry? And if you are, know what a terrible condition you find yourself in if that is the case well we need to wrap up Monty appreciate your time tonight and your thank comments. you for Jacob for letting me be here Anthony thank you for being here and thank you double good. duty talking and controlling as well oh, that's tough yeah, it's multi, a good, yeah good. A good program thank you for being here we uh, appreciate you joining us and appreciate uh, those who commented on the program tonight we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.